Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, folks, welcome back to Latest Mount with Flyer Football Podcast Edition. Who says Week 12 is boring? Matt, I heard everybody say Week 12 was going to be boring. It was not boring, at least for us, right? Never. It's never boring. Uh, it was more exciting than usual, I would say, right? A lot of excitement going on. Yes. Thank you for joining us. MWWire.com, that's our little web- website. Or I guess not little. People stop buying like to read what we write. But that's our site, Twitter, MWCWire, all that great stuff. And we had a Week 12, which was uh, crazy great. Um, actually, before, I was going to mention, we get to a Friday night game. Should we talk about... Uh, unprecedented ranking situation. Yeah, let's do it. So you you said this should have been preseason possibility, or should have happened. It should have happened in the preseason. Yeah. With Fresno State, Boise State. Well, we thought it'd be San Diego State, but it ha- happened to be Utah State. Are ranked for the first time together. Well, this combination ever, I can say that confidently. But in the coaches' poll, three Mountain West teams are ranked. Mm-hmm. Boise 22, Fresno 23, Utah State 15, who dropped two spots after the uh, wild finish on the frozen turf at Canvas Stadium in uh, Fort Collins. But the AP polls are garbage. They don't care, so they don't rank three teams. So we're not going to talk about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did the Mountain West tweet out the last time this happened? Because I'm trying to think. It had to have been when before like realignment and stuff, I'm assuming, right? Uh, I would imagine so. I had not seen anything about that personally. They send stuff out like that out. Um, let's see. Okay, here we go. They must have tweeted a couple hours ago. They must have just missed it. Well, I guess by the time we posted, it's who cares? You don't know. Wait, they could have tweeted this right now, and I could have lied, Matt. I could have. You could have. I said, "Oh, the tweet just now." What's it? Ten seconds ago. No, 20, first time since 2010. They've had three teams ranked, which would have been probably, I'm guessing, Utah, BYU, TCU. That sounds right. Yeah. And probably the year. TCU and Utah were top 10 teams, and Utah got smoked at home against TCU. That probably sounds about right as well. Yeah. So, but it's a good accomplishment. Um, can we can we um, get our monocle and see how the Americans doing? How many teams do they have ranked this week? They have one team this week. Who's that? That would be uh, UCF. Never heard of them. <laughs> <laughs> kidding. About that. They well, they beat they beat Cincinnati on national television on Saturday night, whom you also have never heard of. That's more not heard of than UCF. Uh, good for them. We know they play well. Um, did you see the their quarterback talking smack about Notre Dame and everything, Matt? Yeah, but but isn't it isn't that just an easy target because everybody wants to talk smack about Notre Dame? Well, it is, but it's like a big old piece from Matt Hayes talking about Central Florida and the quarterback is going off on Notre Dame and everything, and they're terrible. We Pitt and all this stuff. I'm like, well, cool, fine. You should not be crowing that much about beating Pitt. Well. Relatively speaking, compared to Notre Dame's victory over Pitt, that's what their point was because UCF did crush them. Where that's Notre great. Dame... Who else? Who else has UCF beaten? It's it's great that they keep pointing to that one win. <laughs> that one win. Hey, it's a um, ACC Coastal champion. Uh, Pitt, Pitt, Pitt Panthers. You know what? By this time next week, Boise State could be having wins against two different division champions. So I don't really know what the argument is. Which um, who would that be over Troy? In Fresno State. Yeah, I was thinking that Fresno State. Uh, Oklahoma State's – well, they lost. Sorry. Whoops. Uh, they put a good showing against a really good Oklahoma State team. But 
rankings, good good deal this week. You're working on your playoff rankings, correct? Yeah, that is what I usually write that first thing on Monday morning, but uh, I've been kind of setting it up today. We'll see. we got the holiday this week coming up. Um, our good buddy Pete Futak puts three Mountain West teams in his predicted playoff rankings. Should I should I tease the people? Are you not going with three? I don't. I mean, I haven't really had that much time to think about it just yet. Um, I think it's going to be kind of a coin flip, but I have to take a closer look at what some of the other teams near the bottom of the consideration pile have uh, did last weekend. Like Pittsburgh, since they're ranked in both polls now. They are, yeah, and that was a team that I had mentioned, uh, if not the last two weeks, then definitely last week as a team that would jump into the top 25. So again, again, like I said, I, I would have to look at other teams because I know that Arizona state lost for one. Um, Thank you. Thank you. Oregon made me sweat all night when I'm watching Hawaii wanting Arizona state to lose. And uh, Stanford had its game against Cal canceled. Um, that one got pushed back. What to December 1st Yeah, championship weekend. So uh, yeah. Okay. So BC lost I think as well. that should be, that's notable. Yeah, so I, I need to re-examine the situation and see, you know, how all of those six and four, seven and four power five teams stack up against a team like Fresno State because I don't think there's really anything, God, I hope that <laughs> that uh, would all of a sudden bump Utah State or Boise State out of the rankings. So it's mostly just a question of how well does Fresno State rank up at this point. But I mean, I will tell you that. You know the the overall resume looks a lot nicer this week than it did last week because Nevada has seven wins now, San Diego State has seven wins, uh, Toledo looks like they're going to get to seven wins because they play Central Michigan next week. So while I haven't really dug into all the evidence just yet, uh, at a glance I am leaning towards probably. Okay. Also, I'd like to point out to people on Twitter giving me a hard time saying Fresno State was out of it. They are not out of it. No, they're definitely not. I I mean, we'll, I think it's, we're planning to talk about this more at length with Raj at some point. Am I not mistaken about that? We'll figure it out. I think so, maybe. <laughs> we're but I mean, it's it's pretty simple at this point. You root you root for USF next weekend, and you root against UCF in the championship game. That's pretty much it. Yeah, basically. Oh, really? Well, I actually I think it's even simpler. A a American West champion has to win. Champion has mm-hmm. to win the conference. Yeah. That's basically what it comes down to. So, because UCF is in no matter what, right? Do they clinch for being in Cincinnati, I believe? Yes. Okay. So, and they, is it hosting as well, I'm assuming? Mm-hmm. Similar to Mountain West scenario where best record host. Okay. So, yeah, whoever's out in the West Division, just don't take Ed Oliver's coat or something, or don't tell him to take off his coat. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the deal with that is, but that was going to humor us on Thursday night. But let's get to our actual games here we're talking about from the week. We'll get to all the. Preview we'll probably have to discuss later, Matt, about the schedule this week because we have a Thanksgiving day for the first time ever. So we'll discuss our podcast scheduling later on for our preview. But let's go all the way back to Friday night and Sean Monster defeats the New Mexico Lobos 45-14. to Kind of a long evening for the Lobos, was it not? It was. Like this game, like Boise State did it, – this is kind of how I thought it played out, like the score differential, 45-14. Because, like I said before, when when New Mexico had their other former OC and they're running like the running backs like Richard McCorley, guys who run the ball much more efficient, big plays, that unique style, they gave anybody trouble. But the past couple of years shifting to that, even the final year when they had that offense going, they couldn't stop Boise State at all. Like they did blowouts instead of the first couple of years where they put a scare into the Broncos. Mm-hmm. So it 
yeah, it was fine. Like, Madison kept going like we sort of pretty much thought he did, continuing his second half. Barrage was Fresno into this game. And Burbank kept finding Sean Monster wide open. And he had three touchdowns. And this game was pretty much over at halftime at 24-7. to Well, and even into the third quarter when Boise State was able to stretch early to 31-7, to if you look at the overall numbers, it's not as though it was totally lopsided. You know, at the end of three, it was, you know, Boise State had an advantage on in total offense of 353 to 219. To me, the big story of the game, which which buried the Lobos pretty early on, was the three turnovers that they had, including the two fumbles. Yeah, fumble, return for touchdown in the first, what, the first quarter. Everything, also special teams touchdown as well. So it's like mm-hmm. there's a plenty of issues that happened in this game. So three turnovers, special teams. 14 non-offensive touchdown points. Every score, I think, led to a touchdown. Is that right? Yeah. 28. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, it was basically short fields. Like, yeah, if you look at the numbers, oh, they yardage-wise, they did fine. But it wasn't the reason it seemed a bit closer just because they get short field than special team scores. So, mm-hmm. And they played two quarterbacks. So that's kind of how Lobo season is going at the moment. So, I mean, there's really no way out of this for them, is there? For the Lobos? I mean, I know that we've talked a lot about Bob Davey being on the hot seat, um, but is there really anything that they can do at this point, or they, do they just kind of have to let it ride? I don't know. I would want to mention one quick, fun, one two quick, two quick things before we get to that. Lobos did have seven TFLs, which is pretty amazing for amount of how many yards he given up, and it was nice to see backups of Boise State get in there and play in the fourth quarter and score points. I mean, maybe you could give New Mexico a little bit of credit because their special teams did show up yet again. If we maybe haven't talked enough about Marcus Hayes, he was definitely in the conversation for special teams player of the year. Oh, that touchdown, yeah, that touchdown was amazing. Going it was a very field. impressive touchdown. Yeah, going cutting backfield, and then is forty six the punter for Boise State? Uh, Tyson Dyer. Yeah, is that forty six? I think no, his number is like ninety four, oh, okay. ninety six. There is somebody like who was trying to catch him down at the end. I'm like, that punter's really fast. Cause that's a forty six is sort of an odd number. It's not you typical to be out there. So, but he did a little like a slow motion step, like a quick half, tenth of a second little shutter, and like, boop, see ya, touch mm-hmm. the butt. No, they, they there are some a couple of things, but as for Davies' future, I'm like, again, I'm surprised he's coached all this year for the most part. They keep saying if you follow Adam Fishbowl, they keep finding more and more stuff because Lobos, uh, like Paul Krebs, and guys like to delete emails and say mm-hmm. we're going to delete emails every week because, yeah, that's not shady. Uh, it's not just a football program. I think he's probably going to stay just because it's a money issue. They are, they're trying to cut sports. I think officially they did, but they're still trying to maybe bring them back. There's all there's a lot of stuff going behind the scenes that's kind of cut sports, bring it back, cut them, fan support, player support, community support, but they just don't have the money. So they might just be stuck with him for however much is left on his contract. I mean, I almost wonder if they will have enough leeway to at least get rid of Kevin Cosgrove. Because if anything's really let them down recently, which I think you could make an argument it really let them down in this game, it was the defense. And Steve Bergen of the Albuquerque Journal actually had a really interesting article that, you know, depending on your point of view, it maybe could be some kind of justification for letting it ride because you you overlook just how many key components this Lobos defense is missing. Obviously we knew about Alex Hart who injured his knee back in September. He's missed most of the year. Um, Trent Sellers was out for the year in over, over the summer. He suffered a knee injury himself. They've been without Evahlo to the past few weeks, you know, Cody Baker up front didn't play a lot. 
So I think maybe if you were looking for some upside, it's while they are losing some key pieces, most of the guys are coming back on both sides of the ball. And we know that continuity matters. So maybe with another year in this offensive system and with enough of the pieces who are getting playing time coming back, maybe that's something that adds up to being something worth looking forward to. I don't know. Maybe, but they are listening to Lane Hart Johnson. He's out of here after this year. So I don't know. Here's the thing. Looking at his buyout, it's about 1.3. I'm assuming he has one year left on his contract. I don't have his details in front of me, but being 1.3 would make, make a lot of sense. Final year plus half a million. I believe mm-hmm. that's what it is. And so here's what I'm going to say. It's bull game of bust next year for Davey. Right? Is that setting the bar a little too high? Why? What do you mean? Like, I think, no. They, they've, they've, they've been division champions one time in his career during that, in Lobo's territory. Lobo's uh, reigning over the Lobo's. And they land of a champion, I'll say. Well, they, they had a share of that, yeah. Hey, 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 it still counts. Yeah. They beat in Boise State. They've done decent things, and so they've shown they can compete and compete in this division every now and then. And so, but what would what, be good? Say they play. Um, who do they play next week? Real quick. Um, not UNLV. Next week they're at uh, at Wyoming, I believe. Yeah, they're gonna lose that one. So they'll be sitting at because Wyoming's gonna go to bowl game. I'm gonna eat crow and say sorry, guys. I apologize. They're gonna be three and nine again. You telling me five wins is gonna be good enough to keep his job next year? Into 2020? I mean, I think considering the situation, it almost kind of has to be. I don't know. I think all the off-the-field stuff he needs to be, if he's going to keep running, that's actually win. Like, I, I think they just need to look more competitive from week to week. Yeah. Losing, here's their here's their last four games. Um, almost beat CSU 2018. Okay. 38-7 Fresno, 61-19 Utah State, 31-23, pretty good. 42-24 Air Force, eh. And then 45-14 Boise State with one offensive touchdown. Well, maybe that's part of the upside, too, is next year they're not going to have to face Fresno State or San Diego State. Is the divisional rotation change next year? Yes, it does. Okay, all right. Well, so that means they'd be playing – okay, because they, they they'd play Hawaii. they get Nevada, though. That's mm-hmm. much better. And is that it? Or is there one more? Am I missing? San Jose State. Okay, so maybe, maybe there's a chance to get uh, one of those. I mean, and I think that if you look, I mean, obviously we'll take a better look ahead sometime in the spring, but the non-conference schedule should give them a chance to prove something too. Cause you know, they're, they have three of their four games against Sam Houston state, which may not be that easy because no. Sam Houston state is usually pretty good yeah. on the FCS level, but they also get a home date as usual with New Mexico state. And they also travel to Liberty. So those there are more winnable games on the schedule next year than I think there are this year. And there are enough pieces coming back. Like, you know, obviously they're losing Hart Johnson. They're going to be losing Colton Carehart and Tyrone Owens. But Jones is going to be coming back. Pretty much everybody else in the receiving unit is going to be coming back. Like Jay Griffin's coming back. Elijah Lilly will be a senior. You know, Davon Vigilant's coming back. And they have... Four of the five guys along the start up, excuse me, along the offensive line coming back too. So there's something to build on there, but the offense is going to have to come together and be a little more consistent, especially if you know they're kind of stuck rebuilding on defense because they're they're losing a little more on that side of the ball. But that's ultimately going to be the difference between you know winning just three games or five or six games next year. Here's the 
thing. You're mentioning the that schedule. That means I more confident saying bowl game or Davy's gone. Maybe. Yeah, I, I don't know. We got we got time. It's only November, man. Come on. We got months yeah. and months of stuff to talk about in the off season. Uh, good for Boise State. They are now next week in a showdown versus Utah State, where winner take all to. I'm gonna yeah, gonna host a title game. I'm pretty 98 percent sure it's gonna be the winner of that game to host, right? I, yeah, I mean that 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 is pretty much it. Because at a minimum, you know, I would assume that Utah State's going to be ahead of Boise State. I and as we talked about earlier, I'm not totally sure how Fresno State's going to figure in just yet. But I would think that the Bulldogs beating San Jose State would not move the needle that much to leapfrog whoever comes out on top of that game. You are correct. All right, let's go to the next game, which was right. now we're getting to the good stuff. Saturday, I made a mistake. I did go back and peruse majority of these games. Like, I figured, okay, Utah State, CSU, I want to see all the – I'm, like, thinking, all right, my kid's got a birthday party. I'm cool. I'll record the record the game, watch the first half, see Jordan Love, give a farewell to the opposing crowd, him and Darwin Thompson, Gerald Bright uh, taking a sidestep, um, going to the locker room or hanging out with some hot cocoa. Not the case. This was a game the whole time. 29-24. Uh, should we begin with – should we go in reverse chronological order on this one? Sure, why not? So, I was at the birthday party. I see the game close. I'm following. I'm not. I can't stream because I gotta kind of pay attention to the party. So I'm like kind of watching the play by play on the game tracker on whatever app I'm using. I say, oh, okay, scores close. Oh, fumble Utah State on that punt return. Colorado State scores. The final play of the game. I'm like, I see people freaking. I'm like, what's going on? I see the video put Twitter posted by was it Timothy Burke who does a ton of video stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So the call. Here's what the call was. Preston Williams goes down the field, steps out of bounds. Comes back in. First guy touched the ball. Made a great play. Like, Colin Hill, like, also, what's kind of missing? Watch that play. Colin Hill almost got sacked. Mm-hmm. Play. He got took a hit, kind of did a jump side, kind of did a jump to get to, sorry, jump his back foot to avoid the sack and threw it literally the next two times two feet hit the ground to play it and then throw. Perfect strike to Preston Williams. Aggies guys were in the area. He caught it. Game over. Rams upset victory at home. Stepped out of bounds. So I watch the play a lot. I'm watching my phone. I wrote a quick post on my phone because, heck, that's a big, big deal. So I'm like, uh, I'll be back in a minute, folks. And just did a quick little, found the video, wrote some up really quick. Watch it on my Twitter phone. It's kind of hard to tell. Just because even though I have a Galaxy Note, I could have decent screen size. It's still hard to tell. He stepped out of bounds, right, Matt? He did. So I'm watching it again. So I went back later when I got home TV. I'm like, oh, let me tweak the post. I found the rule of what it was. So he stepped out of bounds, and everybody says, why is it controversial? Because I, I put the title. I'm like, okay. It, I doubt it fairly was because everybody's freaking out about it. It's time and place as well. End of the game, that kind of decided the game. Kind of, I say, because there's other things in the game that could have made a difference. That that scenario may not have been there because what happened if uh, Utah State doesn't fumble the punt? Mm-hmm. Like, they don't lose the punt. So those type of things. But also, there's Cameron, we know what's his, oh, shoot, what's his name from Fresno. Isn't Cameron? Um, shoot. You know what I'm talking about, right? Shoot, he always Cameron Worrell. Worrell, yeah, he. Because I replied back, like everybody saying, like, "Oh, it's this, it's this," and like, well, taking the count of the icy field, because Utah State guy did make contact with Preston Williams, mm-hmm. but watch it again. It looked like there was far much time after that that he went out of bounds on his own, because some people are trying to make the argument, like when the Fresno State play Keyshawn Johnson, he kind of got forced out, way out of bounds, <laughs> came mm-hmm. back in. Apparently, they said there's enough time for him in the field to play for it to count. Was this a straightforward call, or was I looking at this way too closely and listening to Twitter people all, all the afternoon? 
Well, I mean, I had to watch that play about a dozen times, too. And I forget who exactly it was that captured. Um, it was a screenshot of, I think it was Kelly Lytle who had tweeted it originally. He had a, a field view um, of Preston Williams running that route. And someone took a screen cap from that where it clearly shows that his foot was out of bounds. And I know that people were arguing, well, you know, he was getting pressed against the sideline. It was like, no, not really. Cause I mean, there was initial contact near the line of scrimmage, but it was one of those just kind of inadvertent kind of things where it's a, you know, it's a game of inches. And he went far enough down the field where he should have been able to grab his foot. But like when Cameron tweeted, like, well, it was icy field. That was that taking consideration. I'm like, I don't know, but it didn't really look like. But it them's slipped. the breaks, right? Yeah, there's that too. It's like okay, it is a it is a field conditions were questionable because you remember the Boise game, the ice skating game was Army CSU a couple years ago. That was a mess mm-hmm. in a potato bowl, and so that's a bit different. But it also didn't look like he maybe had to go wide a little bit to gain back in, but it didn't look like he, didn't look like he slipped, and it really does suck for Colorado State because they played really good this game. Like nobody thought that there's a reason they're four touchdown underdogs. And so watch. I don't want people like you had to watch it a million times. Like, yeah, I wanted to be careful and watch and see. And yeah, I think it was fairly controversial because it was really close if he even stepped out of bounds in the first place. And so it happened, and it sucks, right? That's all I can really say. Unfortunately, it's a. Uh, I don't. I don't. It, want, I don't want you know what? You know what it's like. It's a tough you know what it's like. What's it like? It's exactly like the conversation that we had last week about the Fresno State Boise State game. Yeah. Where that last replay is going to stick in people's minds. But that's not the only reason Colorado State lost that game. No, it's it's not. But I would say the – I think two two things about this. There's – the call is a bit too late, I felt, because the guy's like, there's no flag, like, right away. But mm-hmm. I guess he threw the hat for that because – and then the flag, I guess, after. But I would say the call versus Boise Fresno was more egregious than this, right? Well, yeah, but I'm, I, you know what I mean. It's similar, yeah. It's like it's why I put an article. It's the last play of the game. It's what sticks in your mind. It's like, oh, in basketball, oh, they fouled. If he didn't foul or he whatever, he didn't get this or that. It happened. But here's the thing: Colin Hill still threw two interceptions. Utah both were returned for touchdowns. I mean, like you don't th- if you don't throw an interception in the red zone, say it gets knocked down or because a tip and cut return pick six, you only score a field goal. You that's you win the game. You don't have to rely on having to throw the ball 35-plus yards at the last time, the last second of the game because that would make it essentially, what, 27-22 if, that, if that's the only difference that really happened. Mm-hmm. Don't throw two pick sixes. Don't have special teams miscues either because you but don't miss a field goal. Exactly. And that, to me, is the story because if you go look at Football Study Hall, they have the, the weekly uh, five-factor box scores that they come out with. Mm-hmm. On a per-play basis, even though – you know, on the the raw totals, Colorado State ended up with almost uh, what was it, 200 yards more of total offense. They were fairly even on a per play basis. Story of the game, though, Colorado State had eight scoring opportunities and averaged three points per. Did you also see time possession difference? I did. I just looked at it now, 42 to 18. I mean, they basically were able to move the ball up and down the field at will, but. Good teams figure out a way to win. And when Utah State wasn't exactly the kind of high-flying offense that they have been, the defense stepped up and the special teams stepped up. Don't they have 12? Did they have a punt return as well? Oh, no. Yeah, no, they did not. They had a long return, didn't they? Yeah, 51-yard return by Scarver. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. Rams played well. Like, 
Obisai Johnson 100 plus yards. Williams had the two touchdowns. Izzy Matthews showed up with 100 yards. They were moving the ball. Like Utah State, I'm, again, like I said, I didn't really watch the game live. I came back late last night to watch it. Utah State moved the ball okay. Like they were getting chunk. Like you mentioned, the yards per play were basically the same, right? Mm-hmm. But Utah State was moving down the ball. They settled for field goals. They just didn't have those big plays. Like their longest play of the day was a 33 yard reception. Obviously, not special teams or defense returns, but they weren't getting those huge plays. They they were actually pushed around against this Rams defense, which is not very good. And so Rams played very well. It's just like you don't have two like two glaring issues, two picks. That's what I'm saying. And then Utah State also had special teams issues. It's like Mm -hmm. you could say all you want, like oh they played bad this one game, they shouldn't be ranked high. But like good team, right? Good teams find a way to win. But you can't tell me like when you look at other teams play, you have close losses. Like you sort of give them credit for getting the win. It's not like they were. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 not exactly one to one with, for instance, the Boise State BYU game. Yeah. But let's not forget BYU had a chance to win right there at the very end of that game, and Boise State found a way to win. Yeah, they're because they leaned on their defense when their offense wasn't cutting it. Yeah, Boise defense um, <laughs> did not play well. That last well, game. and let's and let's not also ignore the fact that Colorado State had almost 150 penalty yards too. I thought it was... It was 11 for 142. Wait, why does it show 11 for 86? Well, I don't know, unless there's a typo on here. Where are you looking at? I'm looking at the PDF on College Press Box. Oh, uh, uh, I'm t- I always have ESPN up here for some reason, but they say 11 for 86. Unless they're counting that last play? I have no idea. That wouldn't be a 40-yard penalty. That'd be a... Whatever it was, lost it down, 10-second runoff because the game is over. But that, that's the kind of thing that's really plagued the Rams all year long is penalties. And let me just go to CFB stats real quick. They have it at – go figure. They have it 11 for 108. <laughs> but regardless – 11 penalties. We know that. Regardless, right? <laughs> that's that's the most that they've had since the opener against Hawaii, both in terms of yards and total penalties. So, and so regardless, however, while you're moving the ball, eventually that's going to catch up to you. It did. So, is, are you concerned about Utah State at all? With no. Performance? Cause no, because snowy and icy doesn't help either too much. Yeah, I, it it's to me like I said, I compare it to the BYU game that Boise State had, even though they aren't quite the same kind of game. But it all comes back to the idea that just like I said, good teams figure out a way to win, all and right. so that's why I'm I'm super excited for next Saturday night. Next Saturday night in Boise. Uh, yeah, we'll get that one too. So where should we go next? We go to the game that was moved up and questionably still played over the weekend. Yeah, let's do it. So Nevada San Jose State, that was still played despite there being. I'm assuming in your area, the weather's still not the best. the The air quality index is still not good. Yeah, depending on where you go in the valley, it's uh, it's pretty questionable and up all in, around. And up in San Jose, you're they're much closer to that the actual campfires, which what's what it's called. I kept looking campfire yeah. campfire. I'm like. I didn't realize. Yeah, actual and name. as we mentioned earlier, it was bad enough that they canceled the game up in Berkeley, which is about forty-five miles north of San Jose. Yeah, and that game's being moved to December first. This game, twenty-one twelve, still played, moved up a couple hours. Um, Ty Ganji, doing doing his thing. Talatua, do we? Is there a freshman of the year award that's given out officially by the conference? I believe there is. Okay, is so there not? Is, I don't know. I was thinking about that over the weekend. He has a good chance to win that if that's the case. If not, we'll make one, right? We'll do a freshman of the year award. I'm already working on that. Spoiler alert. Oh, awesome. One step ahead of us. We need to start doing that too for other stuff. So he had a 121. 
Nevada, give credit to Spartans' defense. They held Nevada a little bit because we've mentioned our preview. Like, the uh, Spartan secondary is one of the better units in pass breakups. Interception-wise, they did have a pick in this game, and that allowed them to kind of hang around. But their offense, it's still like they – what was up with Josh Love? Was he, did he just not play? I think he was injured, and then Montel Aaron, I was reading on the Spartans' website, had he missed the game because I guess his father passed away. Oh, so that's unfortunate. But they brought in Michael Carrillo. Sorry, he did okay, a couple touchdowns, a pick. But they, it's what do we see about the Spartans? Their defense actually kept them in this game because holding to Nevada to twenty-one points is that's a it's a feed on its own, right? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of an interesting box score when you look at it because they had an, an advantage on offense of well over two to one. It was, uh, what was it, 463 yards of total offense for the Wolfpack to just 200 for the Spartans. But give them credit. You know, they hung in there. They made plays, especially when they needed to. They were actually slightly better on third downs, for instance, uh, even though they, uh, the Wolfpack did go two or four on fourth down as well. And they did force uh, a turnover, which eventually led to the game's opening score. It was Ethan Aguayo, who, by the way, had 20 tackles in this game. 20? He had 20. Is he defensive player of the week, maybe? Has, He's has definitely to... in that conversation. Ted Solo? Yeah. Man. Just... The linebackers in this game for the Spartans played very well. And I think that that was something I mentioned in the preview podcast, or else it was just something that was floating around in my head. <laughs> But, you know, Aguayo had 20 tackles. Jesse Ozuna had 11 tackles. Jamal Scott had 10. So, you know, even though Tawa ran for about 120 yards and a score, the defense did a lot to keep them in this game. It was just the offense that really kind of struggled to get anything going after that first drive. And also, San Jose State had chances as well to make it even closer, too. Yeah. Because they had the um, – they got a break by a missed field goal by Nevada. They – they scored a touchdown off that first interception. Then they come back right away. Nevada fumbles after going what most most way down the field. But had the Spartans done anything, touchdown, field goal, because they're leading 6-0 at the, at the moment. Um, I guess they missed extra point. That's right. And I don't know if the outcome would be any different, but you could have points there possibly because you got the ball. Decent territory, but mm-hmm. it, it's it's tough when you're playing your – what, your, technically your third quarterback? Yeah, I and think then, so. Yeah, and they – they did all right. Like they are holding like Nevada on down to try to go for it midfield when it was only fourteen to six in the second half. They it's they did okay. Like they did fine this game for what Nevada does. Like yeah, they out, out excuse me, speaking the right word out yardage to them. Is that the right term? Is yardage the word? Out gained. There you go. Out yardage. <laughs> Come on, I can make up stuff. But yeah, like they they out gained them by two to one. You said they third down. They both were good on defense, bad on offense. Both sides four fourteen Nevada, five fourteen Spartans. But man. It's just a close game. It's just it comes down to a few things here and there. I don't know if they had if they had Josh Love there, if Monta Aaron was available, would that have made a difference? I don't know. But Nevada is now seven wins, gonna pro- probably do what I thought they would preseason, maybe slightly below eight wins, and they've quietly won four in a row. That's true. Nearly five in a row, man. They're they're quite close to beating Boise State as well. Yes. So is the Cannon gonna be blue next week, possibly? I, I mean, you say possibly. I'm going to say probably. Not definitely. We'll, we'll talk more about UNLV in a little bit. We will, but that good, good, good game is on ESPN three. So if you got to watch that, good for you. But uh, congrats to the uh, Wolfpack and Spartans. You got one more game, and yeah, next next game. What are we doing next year, Matt? Let's go to Wyoming. This is this maybe the game of the year? 
this is definitely the what just happened game of the year. Is this the best game with eight minutes left in the contest? <laughs> <laughs> so this one. Maybe, maybe, yeah. Wyoming, 35. Air Force, 27. Oh, my goodness. Air Force. So here's the thing. <laughs> Wyoming Cowboys have a quarterback named Sean Chambers. Mm-hmm. He gets hurt on the first pos- first possession of the game. Is that right? I think so, yeah. yeah he was it was hurt. pretty early he on. Was, I believe, um, yes, because Vanderbilt came in and threw a touchdown pass immediately, which technically was called, um, I like how this puts on ESPN, third and zero at the 11. <laughs> third and goal. But he had a touchdown pass to Rocket Ishmael Jr. And he was out for the whole game. Nico Evans also went out in the first drive. I think he had one carry. Had an ankle injury, came back in later on, out for the game as well. Had like one other carry. I think he had three total. Mm. Um, I'm correct on that for 17 yards. He was gone for the game. He hardly played. You're telling me, Matt, before this game, if Nico Evans and Sean Chambers are out in the first possession, they're going to win? Never. Well, I mean, it certainly looked that way for a long time. But yeah, it did because they were down. What were they down? 17, 14. They were down twenty. They were down twenty-seven fourteen going into the fourth quarter. Twenty-seven fourteen. So, if you haven't gone and watched the highlights we put on the website, basically just make sure you watch the final seven minutes or so, because that is what crazy. So they come in, they score a touchdown. Or no, let me back up. Field goal. Twenty-seven fourteen. After a Wyoming gives it up on downs at fourth and one to forty-one, they cannot get it at all. They are stuck uh, doing whatever. They have to switch sides again. You know how it is. So, field goal. Twenty-seven fourteen. Then they do a nice 13-play drive touchdown. Okay, 27-21. They're cool, right? It's close. It's like, oh, nice. Um, oh, did I skip one? No, I did No, that's right. Sorry. I'm reading too many things here. I have too many um, box chart things open. So they 27-21. Then they force a three and out because apparently all day, Matt, Air Force stopped turning the ball well. Which... It's kind of an interesting – I mean, this is another instance where it's like you look at the first three quarters and you see one game. And then you look at the fourth quarter, and it's an entirely different one, because <laughs> because through the first three quarters, again, Air Force had a huge advantage in pretty much every offensive category you could look at. You know, Donald Hammond was three or four; they didn't really need him to throw that much, um, but he also had sixty nine yards on the ground, very nice. Um, he had the two touchdowns in the first three quarters, and Cole Fagan and Caden Remsburg were just dominating on the ground. Yeah. By that point, they both had cracked 130 yards. And, you know, meanwhile, Vanderwall had been kind of, I don't, I mean, I guess the, the operative word would be erratic because he was six of 19, but he had a, and 118 yards and a touchdown. But a lot of that came on a 60 yard play to Tyree Mayfield. Um, but they were basically getting outgained. The Air Force had a two to one time possession advantage, they had a third down advantage that was pretty substantial you know they were seven of ten after the third quarters and then all of a sudden you get to the fourth quarter and even though i don't know that you would say vanderwall played his best ball of the year because in that fourth quarter he was only eight of 17 and he only he had 107 yards but give him credit you know they gave him the opportunity to say okay we need you to win this game and maybe it wasn't pretty but he, did it. But he made plays when it counted he was four of six on third down. Mm-hmm. He was one of one on that critical fourth down throw that he had late in the game. Um, and they just were able to pull it off. The defense came together and shut down the Air Force running game. 
And then as we as we both know, they forced the two interceptions late to kind of put it away. Yeah, Logan Wilson got the one when Wyoming takes the lead 28-27. They move down the field. And, yeah, then they go back and score on three, 17 seconds later, they score a touchdown, which mm-hmm. they were 24 yards out. But score a touchdown, then, all right, 35-27. Air Force has to throw again because they start at their own 13. And Hammond throws two picks in the final two minutes, and that's it. Because nobody thought Wyoming would with this game after being down, especially losing their starters. It's a uh, crazy. Now it sets up a point where Wyoming could be bowl eligible next week when they are playing. Um, shoot. Who's the schedule? Um, not the Broncos, New Mexico. They probably should win that, right? They probably should. Yeah. I mean, I think everything basically changed after they were able to convert that fourth down on the last drive, because yeah. it's, it's kind of wild looking at the play by play of that drive, because you forget that they got to third and 15, it was incomplete, false start, incomplete, and then he ran for six yards before completing the 12-yard pass to uh, Xavier Valade. When they had a fourth and six in that same drive as well, they converted. Yeah, and then there was a, then they caught a holding penalty. There was another incomplete pass. Then you know, they set up third and one, had another false start, nine yards to Mayfield for another first down, incomplete, and then finally the touchdown to Austin Conway. And they did it. They get the victory. A little, little bit of a roller coaster ride there, but yeah. they got it done. Exciting game. Also, so with the amount of teams I've been looking at the bowl stuff, Wyoming may not go to bowl game even at six wins. There's a chance. Maybe. Maybe. Also, Air Force, we talked about a couple of times. Technically, if they get a win next week, they'd be first in line if there's not enough teams eligible at six. And we know the Pac-12 is not sending any five and seven teams regardless. Not that mm-hmm. it matter for Air Force, but just something to note because. There might be some five and seven teams for Pac-12. All right, so let's mm-hmm. get to. Is it your game, San Diego State Fresno State? Uh, yes. So you were at the, in in attendance of this game, correct? I was. Are you so? How big is the oil can that Fresno gets to keep? How much oil does it actually contain? Uh, well, I would assume at this point zero. <laughs> no, okay, it is an contain. old oil can after all. It's not. That I mean, I don't know. It's like, you know, those red plastic jugs that you have for like gas and emergencies or something like that. A couple gallons, five gallon jug. If yeah, basically just imagine something like that, but cylindrical. And, and that's pretty much it. All right. So this game. First off, it's 23-14. Was San Diego State ever in this game, really? They were. They were because there was a rare missed field goal by Barron. That's true. I mean, it was it was kind of an interesting <laughs> back and forth affair early on because both defenses, I would say, on the whole, played very well. It was just that, especially early in the game, both sides were able to create big plays. Like on the on Fresno State's opening drive, for instance, McMarion was able to draw them off sides, which he was able to do that multiple times on the evening. But it gave him a free play. And he was able to find Jameer Jordan wide open because the guy in coverage, I think it was Kyrie Woods, but don't quote me on that. Um, he fell down in coverage and wasn't able to recover in time. So, you know, even though Jordan had to slow down a little bit to wait for the pass to get to him, that was an easy touchdown. But then, of course, they come right back and they're able to do the exact same thing with the uh, the opening touchdown that they had from Chapman to Fred Trevilian. That dude had a big game. Uh, yeah, because he only had what three catches, or was it four catches? Uh, four catches, 189 yards, and two scores. But he was <laughs> basically he was basically the offense in that game because it was a 75 yard touchdown from Chapman, and then there was another 34 yard 
play in the on a third and seven later in this first half. And then it was ironic because I was saying, why are they bringing Ryan Agnew into the game? And then immediately after I said that, 70-yard touchdown to Trevelyan. Yeah, well, when Chapman goes 4-13, yet he averages 30 yards, 32 yards or 31 yards per catch. Well, I mean, it was really interesting because they were hitting him hard on more than few, more than a few occasions, and so missing... he saw less time in the in the second half than he did in the first half. So, how was that the issue of the two starters out? The reason they got to him, and also why the running game was subpar. Well, that was something that they had said that they wanted to do to begin with, which I think we talked about it in the preview, and I wasn't sure why they would want to do that if they knew Chapman was healthy. Why not just stick with him? But the first well, thing, I mean, offensive and... line be missing, Aztecs missing two guys. It could be, yeah, because Juwan Washington was never really able to get it going in this game. He only had 38 yards on the evening, and you know Long Chapman was able to scramble a couple times for a couple positive plays, but they basically held the running game in check the entire night, and you know, more than 50% of their total offense came on those three pass plays to Trevelyan. And once the defense was able to kind of settle down and – you know, keep the Aztecs in at, at bay, you look at the drive chart and that tells you pretty much everything you need to know. After that second touchdown, it was, you know, a punt, then it was halftime, then it was a punt, and then John Barron's missed field goal and a punt. Was that the difference and there was, turning that missed field goal to a touchdown to go up by nine? I would say so, yeah. Because yeah, Aztecs couldn't do anything. Three play, three and out. Fresno missed the field goal to give them a small, some sort of chance left with what was there, like seven minutes left in that game still? Or no, th- oh, my fault. Oh, that's their, sorry, Aztecs had three minutes left. There was still six, yeah, six minutes left, and then there may be a chance to come back and get in this game. But that seems to me one of the big differences where it was close. Fresno takes advantage of scoring right away. So they're and to get the lead for BF3, like you mentioned, the punt, punt, missed field goal touchdown. But that was the, that was it. And also when they're down, like while San Diego State was able to throw the ball in the air, it wasn't consistent enough. You know what I mean? Yeah, you have 218 yards in eight completions, but they took how many throws to get there? You know what I mean? It's like... 21. That's, yeah, that's what I mean. 21. Too many to count, right? Your completion percentage is just awful. Well, what was kind of strange, too, is when they were down two scores, because they're already down nine in the fourth quarter, you would think that they would go to an up-tempo offense, and they didn't for some reason. And I'm off? still not sure why they were taking so long to get set up. They don't practice it. I don't know. It's. Usually- I, I mean, I don't. I don't know either. I mean, I think that you can give the defense some credit because, you know, Fresno State was never able to really pull away. It was, you know, it wasn't a one-score game, but it, it might as well have been with the way that the San Diego State defense played, because you know, Kaiva Tizino had a very nice game. He had you know a pass breakup, a tackle, and a sack, uh, and led the team with 15 tackles. Chibo Onyeuku had a very nice game. He had two sacks at McMarion. So they were able to get some stops themselves. It just wasn't enough because the offense was never able to get it going aside from those three big plays. All right. So with this, we also buried the lead. Fresno went back-to-back division champs. That's true. So they are playing next week before, well, for a game which matters intensely because they want to keep the ranking, maybe get to the near six if things fall right. But they now... Let's not forget the Valley Trophy's on the line, too. Okay, I know. San Jose State. Did you really know? Because there's, there's people out the there v. that did not remember that the Valley Trophy was a thing. The Giant V, right? I would not blame you if you did yeah. not remember that was a thing. I I, know, I I keep track of this game because of what happened with David Bells and Derek Carr. Oh, yeah. 
Oh, let's not let's not talk about that. Never forget. Hey, you how, gotta you gotta why you gotta bring that up right now? I don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> it's just because that's what I do. All right, final game of the day, which was amazing if you stayed up to watch it all. It was a late game. We nearly had overtime Hawaii football. Um, so this game, did you did you? I assume you watched probably what the second half when you got home. Uh, I was able to catch the, about the last five minutes of this game. That's all I needed, man. That's all you needed, yeah. <laughs> Pretty much, like I was watching like C- CSU Utah State, and I had this one on my phone because you can only. I tried to. I, I was about to give a great hack to everybody for this game because I have a Chromebook just to, just to rant here for one of my computers. Yeah, fancy. I have two computers, whatever. <laughs> but Chromebook has it can do Android apps on their Mac, so I can download like oh a Netflix, which means okay, what's the big deal? Well, you can download if you have the app for Netflix, or you know what I mean. So I'm like, okay, let me try. So I have a few apps on there. Let me try the Watch Stadium app because for the restrictions, you can only watch it on your phone. That's mm-hmm. it. You can hijack it where you cast your screen to mirror your screen. I'm like, okay, but the quality is not great. So I'm like, okay, let me download the app on my Chromebook. So I download it. Great. Get full screen. Figured awesome. Hit play. Restricted. Cannot watch the game. Oh, that's so lame. Like, I want at least a decent-sized screen to watch. You know what I mean? It's like, come on. Because I had to – whatever. It's just I figured I was going to give a great tip to everybody when the game started, but – did not work. But 35-28. Also, I do enjoy um, Las Vegas media guys saying the offense let them down in this game. You know what lets them down? Um, you know what's also kind of sad, Matt? We made Cole Mc- – not sad, but ironic or just very odd. Cole McDonald was our pr- midseason player of the year. He's, he's being replaced, essentially. But I'd say the reason they lost was Sh- Shaven Cordero, who – or no big deal, 4-5, 135, three touchdowns. Like in the fourth quarter, I believe alone. See, <laughs> I don't. I mean, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. I mean, obviously, I think that giving up three long plays to Cordero is uh, not a recipe for success. Did you but... see that strike? It was better than Will Greer's throw versus Texas. But it wasn't as though the offense was necessarily giving them a lot of separation. And I'm not entirely certain how the quarterback situation played out uh, because I didn't get to see the entire game. Donald was erratic and had two interceptions and was not playing very well. I'm talking about on the UNLV side. Oh, sorry. Oh, I was talking about Hawaii side. Oh, sorry. I'm still sticking at the Warriors. Um, it was um, – Rodgers came in late, I think, in the second half. So Jillian started? Yeah, Jillian started. I, again, when I'm watching my phone, I have it on mute. It's kind of hard to get – exact information you know what i mean like you're just watching the game like, mm-hmm. okay what can i do but jillian did get the starts they brought in rogers and he nothing special 18 yards on the long of 18 on the ground 31 overall rushing only it maybe had, didn't give him the shot in the arm that they hoped it would yeah he's five five of 15 passing no he did not give him the shot in the arm but they here's the thing you're you allow hawaii to score 22 points in the fourth quarter this game was always writing up like, okay, Hawaii's not going to make a bowl game because they're not going to win next week versus San Diego State. They came back and proved me wrong scoring, tw- again, 22-7. to They won that game by outscoring UNLV in the fourth quarter on amazing throws. Like these, all these touchdowns weren't like short throws. Like those touchdown plays, Matt, they were, like I said, like I put a tweet out there, move over, Will Grill, this, your pass was terrible compared to what Hawaii was doing. They had pass plays of a, one was a 32-yarder. One was a uh, 20-yarder. and oh, was that a, a – yeah, that was a pass. The other one was also a long play of 36 yards. So every touchdown was over 20 yards. Mm-hmm. They UNLV's defense had no answer. Then 
You know what I mean? Goes for it on fourth down. Like, they're up 28-21. You're leading 28-21. I get the reason they're doing this because, heck, our defense is terrible. Sanchez is like, all right, we can get a yard. We can get a couple yards. Fourth and one at the Hawaii 44. Lexington Thomas lost it to. Boom. Yeah. And I... that crushed them. Like, I, I I get his point because you're deep in their territory. It's like, you're going to punt. And you hope it's a good punt that you don't go out of the end zone to get basically only give him a net 24. That was just a – it's not the bad call to make, but it's just it's looking out like it's tough to decide what to do. Because obviously if you get it, great. We get the – we're leading by seven. We keep running the ball. Hopefully we get some points to make it tougher on Hawaii. Or worse, we don't get any yard. We do it again or with the punt because it's at the 42-yard line. We're going to punt. Well, one of the big differences as the game progressed is – they were less and less able to stay on schedule with the ground game because while, you know, Lexington Thomas did have 120 yards on the ground, it's kind of a tale of what two halves because in the first half they were six of 10 on third downs in the second half, they were only three of 10. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that they were facing a lot more third and mid situations, which we've talked about in the past. They're one of the worst teams in the country in that regard. And so when you look back at how the game unfolded, you know, you see on the one hand that on third and short, which is, you know, one to four yards, they were six of eight. That's great. Yeah. But when it was five or more, they were three of 11 and they faced a lot more of those situations in the second half and they weren't able to do anything with it. And I think a lot of that fairly or unfairly falls on Rogers because they asked him to try and do something with it. With it, with a kind of an unenviable situation, and he wasn't able to get it done. Here's the thing: in the in the second half, um, they had yes, one of these was a touchdown, but their drive three plays, three plays, nine plays, turnover on downs, mm-hmm. three plays did get a touchdown, but I look at every single drive outside of two were four plays or less, and the four plays includes the very last possession, which was obviously fourth and ten. They had to go 93 yards overall, and they couldn't do it. First and 10 to 7. So, like, they were not even staying on the field. Yeah. Like, they were just getting torched. Like, Hawaii had one play 59 yards. Like, they were just – or, excuse me, 64 yards. Sorry. They had a false start, so extra yardage there. But Hawaii, like, they that fourth quarter looked like what we've been seeing all year from them. I mean, well, the first half of the year, I should say. So, Hawaii is now officially bowl eligible. It was funny, too. Like, I got an email from the league before the game. Like mid late afternoon, like something about the Hawaii Bowl announcing, or w- that they'll announce the uh, bowl matchup December second. However, there could be a media release prior. They did, mm-hmm. which is kind of odd, right? It was kind of a weird timing, like Hawaii Bowl announcement. There has not been an announcement yet, but I'm not sure Hawaii's eligible. They're going to the Hawaii Bowl, so I don't know why that release hasn't been sent out. But that was kind of odd pregame. Well, maybe related to that, I didn't re- didn't really talk about it earlier, but I saw a note, I think it was from Kyle Kenny of the San Diego Union Tribune, where they have said that the Aztecs are thinking about making a case to go to Hawaii. Why? For the Hawaii Bowl. I don't remember the exact reasons off the top of my head. I, I think it is because San Diego State and Hawaii play in the finale next weekend. And if the Aztecs can beat the Warriors... They'll finish ahead of them in the West Division standings. And in that case, they want to be able to have their choice of a bowl. It was something along those lines. Yeah, but Hawaii, typically, unless they make a trade, is guaranteed to that spot regardless. Unless Even if Hawaii were to win the Mountain West Conference, they would still go to the Hawaii Bowl. 
I mean, I would imagine they wouldn't have, they wouldn't mind going to Vegas if that were the case. I know, but, but that's the basic but yeah, I understand what you're saying. I just think that you know, there obviously, if that plays out, there's going to be some kind of logistics worked out. But I guess we'll have to play it by ear. So you were saying, so you were saying that if Hawaii wins, they're ahead of San Diego State. Yeah. And they would want to get their, they'd want to get a, their own bowl choice instead. No, no, no. What I'm saying is that if the Aztecs beat Hawaii next weekend, that they would want to be able to have the choice to go to Hawaii if they want to. Okay, but here's here. I found. I think I may have found the tweet. Okay, I must have missed her what you're saying because I was looking at that tweet by it's Kurt uh, Kenny from. Kurt Kenny, yeah. Right? Excuse me. Like, uh, would prefer Aztecs would prefer the bowl fa- a bowl game that fans can travel to in a close proximity. But if Hawaii bowl is only option, Aztecs beat Hawaii. Ad, this is today as well on Sunday afternoon. This is about. 11 a.m. Pacific time, or yeah, the, and if the Hawaii Bowl is the only option, and Aztecs beat Hawaii, AD John David Whitker said he would fight for that slot over Rainbows as third place team West Division with one more win than Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, okay, I, I think I see. Well, here's why it doesn't make sense, because by rule, NCAA and the NCAA made some changes. Like there used to be teams getting left out with like. Uh, not too, well, I guess probably eight years ago when there were not as many bowl games, even though they're still mm-hmm. time. So, like, say there was an eight and four Texas team, and there was a oh no no excuse me six and six Texas team and an eight and four Wyoming team. Clearly, who's gonna bring more fans? Who's gonna travel more? Who's gonna watch more? A Texas game, right? Oh yeah, I know what you're talking about. So Texas would get a spot over Wyoming if the if it came down to those two teams. The rules change if a team has more. You have to take a team with more wins no matter what. So a 10 wins, like a, you know, which one's saying that? No 6-6 six and six team can be taken before a 7-5 and five team. I so, mean, I think it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out, though, because the bowl selection process in the Mountain West is so nebulous, just because, obviously, the Las Vegas Bowl is going to get the pick of the, division, of the conference champion. If they want to. They, but, no, there they no, but there they is no pecking to, order beyond they that. They don't have to take the champion. They get first pick. Yeah, but there is no pecking order beyond that. So outside it's, of, Yeah, outside of Arizona be, is the final pick. Is yeah. They basically New Mexico, Idaho, and Hawaii kind of bargain to see who get the best matchup. Mm-hmm. But what I think what I don't understand what Kirk's saying. Get, get, I get what he's trying to get at, maybe because if there's more wins, Hawaii's guaranteed a spot over Hawaii. But Hawaii's already guaranteed a spot with seven wins because they're gonna have more wins than any other six win team. So I'm not sure what he's getting at. To be fair, you know, if you gave me the choice of <laughs> either going to Boise or going to Honolulu. A week before Christmas, I think I know which one I'm choosing. Yeah, I, I get that, but I still understand that the he would fight for the slot over Rainbows as third place team. He doesn't say anything about the what. Uh, he, he's mistaken because the Hawaii Bowl. Because I thought this was yesterday pregame. He's mistaken because Hawaii is going to the Hawaii Bowl no matter what. There's no reason for concern. Aztecs could be shipped off to Hawaii because why would any other bowl want Hawaii? Like why would the New Mexico Bowl want Hawaii over San Diego State if it comes down to it? Why would any team on the mainland want Hawaii at all? Just because you want people in the sea, right? You want to watch games. You want TV. Even moving TV aside, these stadiums may want to make money. It's an event for their stadium to bring people in. Why would any team in the continental U.S. want Hawaii mm-hmm. over any other team within 600 miles? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, that's, why, that's, why, that's why I think I say that. It was just kind of a mildly interesting thing. Oh, it is. I just think he's mistaken. I don't know. I did I, but also, we may have to we may have to dig into the bowl charter because apparently that's where that language comes from. Let me give uh, Jesse Kurtz a DM and say, Jesse, what's going on with this? Because he he responds to my DMs, I think. So, um, 
We'll see. We'll, we'll definitely look at this later. We'll have both stuff next week because, yeah, we got a lot of games to talk about next week. Also, um, no, oh, sorry, I got a DM from We got Maui, Maui Basketball Monday. That's great. I'm um, sorry. Sweet. I, I, I got a DM from my Aztecs. I said, previews in. I didn't email you an hour ago. But, so, bull scenarios really quick. Not to go deep like that. Um, and we're done talking to you. I don't want to be San Diego State. Or Hawaii, sorry. Um, well, actually, one, two quick questions on the game. Is Tony Sanchez going to keep his job? Yes. Even if they lose the cannon? I think so. And is Cordero going to start next week over Cole McDonald? That I don't know. Just saying. That's a good answer because I was looking if he played recently because I thought he did. He has not played significantly since the Wyoming game where he had to start due to injury. And he went 0-1 versus Nevada. All right, so bowl scenarios really quick. There are five Mountain West Bowl tie-ins. There are currently six bowl-eligible teams. Mm-hmm. Hawaii is guaranteed that spot because I'm going to stick with that because I believe that's accurate. Seven teams could be bowl-eligible if Wyoming wins next week at 6-6. Six and six. Could and, be eight teams if Air Force wins too. Oh, uh, well, they won't be bowl eligible. Depending, depending. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there's a there's a chance for eight teams. Like yes, if they're yes. Well, I mean, well, I mean, yeah. But bowl eligible, there's only six, seven teams. Could be eight if things go wild. Like uh, I did error in my preview last night, my bowl prediction up at USC, and I forgot they lost UCLA somehow. So I had to swap them with Oregon because they're not going to beat Notre Dame next week. <laughs> I doubt they're going to beat Notre Dame next week. Uh-huh. <laughs> they're going to be needing a new head coach next week as well, Clay Helms. You think so? Yeah. so? Well, Mike McIntyre is gone, yeah, as well. Yeah, so, okay, all right. So, also, we'll talk about coaching because there's a few nervous Utah State. Hey, Tedford's didn't come up for Colorado, Matt. And, I, I saw that, and Brian Harson. And Well, not just that, but quarterback guru is trending again on Tedford. And, hey, you can throw out the Aaron Rodgers card again. <laughs> <laughs> well, I won't fight it so much this time. Wait, no, McBerry, no. It's, it's, it's still kind of a comical a little bit just because of – we, we've talked about plenty. Do, do some research. Go see who Kyle Bowler is, right? Go check out that guy. No, no, no. Don't waste your time um, on Kyle Bowler. Don't do that to yourself. <laughs> Good point. So, but what I'm getting at, there could be one of the few years. I wish there was a – I bet there's a list somewhere. I don't have it up. But the amount of teams that could be bowl eligible overall, because we've had five and seven teams the past couple years. And so that might be an op- opportunity for Air Force if they do that. But even Wyoming could be left out. Because there are, what, 41 bowls? I uh, I always forget the number off the top of my head. Okay, there there's a lot of bowl games. So there's a couple teams like I'm not going to go through all these, but there's a few that are fighting for bowl eligibility. SMU, Tulane. Um, I'm going to go through a bunch of these. Florida State, Wake Forest have five wins. You also have um, I don't know Virginia Tech scenario. They have ten games, whatever. They probably cancel game. Kansas State, Baylor, Texas. Dude, Texas Tech has five wins. Oh boy, <laughs> remember them when they were good. At- no, I don't. They beat some. No, oh, the Houston game. The Houston thing. Don't they beat Houston? Uh, Indiana, Mar- Maryland. Maryland could have six wins. They just stick it to Ohio State, but they couldn't do it. Purdue, who was a thing for hot for a hot second. Um, really, they, does Indiana does Louisville really want Jeff Brom, who's five and six at, at Purdue? They've been exciting, if not necessarily winning football. There's been, what I'm getting at. There's about a dozen teams that are five wins, like FAU. Um, yeah, I just I ran a search on ESPN.com for five and six. There are twenty two teams good, right now that are five and six. You're more efficient than I am on that. I was just going through. Let me list all the teams. Arizona five and six. USC five and six. Um, so there's tw- how many did you say twenty? There's twenty two. Okay, I wonder how many play each other, but we're not going to go that far. Because I are... think you know what I saw a tweet earlier, and I forget who to attribute it to because it was it was way early this morning. 
at a minimum, there are three games between five and six teams among Power Five teams. And I don't remember exactly what they are, but I just know that they exist. Okay. So look out for that. So if, if basically if Air Force wants to get to the bowl game, they need to win, and then hope all those teams with five wins don't win, or as many as possible don't win. Mm-hmm. But we'd have, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll do some research. That's a good topic this week because it's Thanksgiving week. Maybe I'll put that on Thanksgiving morning because, hey, people still want to read stuff when Thanksgiving is around. You don't always want to stick with your family, right, Matt? <laughs> that's not just directed to you just in general sometimes wants to be time right? well okay let's put it this way there are 16 power five teams that are uh five and six right now okay. and if we know that three or six of those are going to be matched up and we're talking about a minimum of like 13 teams to keep an eye on next weekend how many how many ones does cal have uh cal i think is four let me look that up okay, real so quick that december 1st game could be and it could come in cal the- is at six already so they're already eligible and stanford is eligible as well right Yes. Okay, so I figured that game that got moved got changed and could make some issues to somebody. So look for that. That's a good That's a good fun article. People can just. Wait. I mean, USC is going to be out. There's they're not beating Notre Dame. Colorado's a mess. Yeah, Arizona plays Arizona State. So territory cup, right? Territorial cup. Exactly. Yes. Um, BYU got bowl eligible. Good for them, I guess. <laughs> Whoop it up on New Mexico State. Um, Tennessee Volunteers could be bowl eligible. Yeah. Vanderbilt. Can be <laughs> they play each other. There you go. <laughs> There's one out of the way. <laughs> All right. I think I think we've achieved our sell by date for this podcast. We're about an hour. So I was not stalling to get to an hour, even though we just surpassed the hour and one minute mark now. Um, well, I mean, let, can we just say one last note about bowl projections? I'm seeing like so many SEC teams in the New Year's Day bowls, and I'm like, God, no, nobody wants to watch that. Nobody wants to watch UCF beat up on LSU. Is that is that really a possibility? The, for the last month or so they've been projecting ucf against some random sec team at first it was kentucky oh, and i was like lord no um actually ucf and, lsu would be a good matchup that'd be a good ucf offense versus a good no team. it wouldn't you know, yeah, lsu that? sucks man you think so you don't think your defense is any good no i do well, i mean their defense is fine but their offense is atrocious i mean i what i really want to see which i know is never going to happen is i want to see washington state at ucf oh boy I'm, but, I mean, if, if Washington State wins the, the Pac-12, they're going to be locked into the Rose Bowl anyway. Um, yeah, I mean, the at-large <laughs> – I mean, who knows where the at-large bids are going to come from. I mean, I guess one of them is going to be in the SEC, maybe two, two of them. No, there's two guaranteed because lock it in Georgia and, and Alabama. <sighs> Whatever, man. But those are good teams, though. Come on. Yeah. Two's fine. If, this, this, like, I, if I, if I want to see UCF play anybody, I want to see a team that's going to score 50 on them. Because I want to see Alabama? a track meet. Can they play Alabama? <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? Here's what, no, no. Oh, damn. What, uh, if they lose to Auburn and lose to Georgia, there's no way they're in the playoff. Would they send them to the Peach Bowl anyways, losing their final two games? I don't know. That, those logistics are a headache to get into. Yeah. What I really want is I want, I, want, I want Washington State to win the Apple Cup, and then I want them to lose the Pac-12 title game. Thank you. And that way they get sent in that large bid. You think Washington that's State that's what I'm hoping for somehow. We'll, we'll, we'll look at that later. We'll look for some Dream Bowl matchup and stuff. Because so, I, I don't want to watch Florida at a New Year's Day Bowl, man. Florida? I don't want to watch Florida. Are they really going to get – are they – no way. Florida's not the 13th best team in the country. Basically, I refuse to believe that. Basically, if you're top 12 team, you're going to a big money bowl game. I feel like I should apologize to Brandon, but they are not the 13th best team in the country. I think Brandon would concur with you. <laughs> <laughs> because he is a suffering at times Florida fan. 
Anyway, uh, I think uh, we've I think we've probably talked enough. We good. It, no, it's a good show. It's the end of the season. We had great games. We had some we had some banter. Some me trying to stumble for you for a few things. Which what is new? Um, do we need to? Are we gonna record Tuesday? Perhaps is that what we're doing? That's probably a good idea. Because we do have a Thanksgiving Day game. Got the Ram Falcon Trophy up for grabs. For some reason, it's Thanksgiving Day. Just because. Why not? TV content, right? You, you got to get away from your family somehow. Oh yeah, exactly. That's good counter programming for Cowboys, whoever they're playing, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. However, I'll probably watch the Cowboys game, so we'll see what happens. All right, folks. Um, thank you for tuning in again. Um, if you haven't subscribed and you just stumbled across this iTunes, Stitcher, tune in. Basically, anywhere your podcasts are found, you'll get them there. And mwire.com, MWC Wire. Look for a million things coming out this week. Basketball Maui invite. We will have some stuff on Thursday because that's what we do. I'll probably write it early, so I'm not doing stuff on Thanksgiving. But next time, folks. And oh man, Matt, week 13, really? Whew. It's a, it's almost here. All right, the end is near. See you next time, folks. <laughs>